0: Today's reading is Deuteronomy chapters 5 through 7. In chapter 5, we're going over the Ten Commandments once again. Verse 1. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, Who are all of us here alive this day? The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire, and went not up into the mount, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none of the gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments." Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand by a stretched-out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, neither shalt thou commit adultery, neither shalt thou steal, neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. All right, now picture this. Israel's on the east side of the Jordan River, ready to go over the river and take over their new country. But wait. First, Moses must go over the law which God had given them over the 40 years to make sure they understand exactly what's expected of them. And that's what Deuteronomy is. Moses is giving the law a second time. It comes from a compound Greek word, deutero, meaning second, and nami, meaning law. There you have it, second law. Jews didn't call this book by its Greek name at all. The Hebrew name for Deuteronomy is Devarim, meaning the words. Notice the point Moses makes in verse 3. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. In other words, these aren't just your daddy's commandments. They're for you too. Nearly 40 years ago, Moses' current audience were either children or perhaps not even born yet. Moses wants to make certain that this generation of Hebrews understand that these commandments have no expiration date. Observant Jews through the centuries traditionally count 613 laws given by Moses in these first five books of the Bible. But but here are the top ten. Actually, they're a summarization of the whole content of the law of Moses. Many people today labor under the misconception that God gave only ten laws that he passed down. Modern Judaism teaches that God gave the Jews 613 commandments, not merely ten. It's very difficult to count with exactness how many separate and distinct laws are found in the Pentateuch. 613 is close enough. The biblical passage known to most people as the Ten Commandments is known to the Jews, by a Jewish phrase that means the Ten Declarations and is considered to be ten categories of commandments rather than ten individual commandments. By the way, Roman Catholics render a little different list than non-Catholics. They leave out the non-Catholic number two, which says, Thou shalt not make thee any graven image, and then they divide number ten into two separate covenant commandments to get their ten. Why do you suppose they do that? It's important to mention again here that New Testament Christians are neither saved by the Ten Commandments nor any of the Old Testament laws given to Moses, nor are they somehow made more righteous after salvation by observing them. These laws were given strictly for Jewish observance when God ruled over a nation of people, Israel. Allow me to make this point conclusively by directing your attention to what is typically rendered commandment number four which would be number three in the Roman Catholic list. This is the commandment regarding the strict observance of the Sabbath day. Let's take a look at the four verses committed to this commandment in this chapter. Verse 12 says, Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. goes on in verse 13 to say, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. Verse 15 goes on to say, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So here's a question that just must be answered if you believe that a believer is bound by the provisions of the Ten Commandments, as many believers do. And here's that question. Why don't you keep this commandment regarding the Sabbath day? Just how important was this particular commandment, commandment number four, that the Jews keep it? Well, just look at Numbers chapter 15, verses 32 to 36. There you will find that God himself commanded that a man be stoned to death for violating this commandment. And he was simply gathering sticks on the Sabbath day, a little bit of firewood. Now, I've written an article entitled uh, The Sabbath Day. It gives you a complete perspective on the relationship between believers and the law of Moses. You might want to take a look at that. It's under the topics section of BibleTrack.org, or there's a link to it on the written notes of BibleTrack for today's reading. Now, I've provided on the written notes of BibleTrack.org a comparison of the commandments listed in Exodus chapter 20 and compared to the way they're listed here in Deuteronomy chapter 5. You may want to take a look at that, and it also it shows some distinctions and differences that are made by Catholics and Jews and so forth. Now, let's continue on with Moses describing the 40-year-old miracle at Sinai in verses 22 to 33. These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick darkness with a great voice. And he added, No more. And he wrote them in two tables of stone, and delivered them unto me. And it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore why should we die, for this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as we have and lived? Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go say to them, get you into your tents again. But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments, and the statutes, and the judgments, which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I have given to them to possess it. Ye shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, "...that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess." Well, beginning in verse 22, Moses rehearses for his audience the circumstances that existed nearly 40 years ago that was on the occasion when he had received these Ten Commandments from God in Exodus chapter 20. He recalls how terrified the people were back then as they stood around the mountain from where God was speaking to Moses. When Moses goes into some detail regarding the covenant aspect of the giving of these commandments and includes the consequences of disregarding them, you know his audience had to be all ears at this point. I mean, the Hebrews had been under God's chastisement for 38 plus years because of the disregard for God's direction. Who wants to repeat that mistake again? Now we have in Deuteronomy chapter 6 a passage which is known as the Shema. Verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. To give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells dig, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name." Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies, and the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in, to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day." And it shall be our righteousness, if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God, as he hath commanded us. Now, this is a really, really, really big chapter to Jews down through the ages. The oldest fixed daily prayer in Judaism is the Shema, taken right out of this chapter. The word Shema is the Hebrew word used at the beginning of verse 3 and 4, translated here. The traditional Jewish Shema consists of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Add to that Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 to 21. And then Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 to 41. Because of the admonition of verse 7, observant Jews say this prayer by quoting these verses before they go to bed at night and first thing when they wake up in the morning. Because of verse 8, the observant Jews down through the centuries to today have worn a leather wallet called a tefillin on the arm and also one on the head that contained these prayers. Today they wear these during prayer time, but apparently the Pharisees wore them all the time. These verses are also placed in a mezuzah. It's a small box and it's placed on the doorpost of a traditional Jewish home because of what's seen there in verse 9. So you can see that chapter 6 is a really important chapter to Jews down through today. So here's a question for you. Do you think that observant Jews took too literally the provisions of these verses by, first of all, quoting them first upon awakening and last before going to sleep, as is specified in verse 7? And secondly, do you think they took them too literally when they are placing these words in a wallet that they wore and still wear upon their foreheads and arms, as is specified in verse 8? And thirdly, do you think they took these provisions too literally when they placed these verses in a box affixed to their doors, as is specified in verse 9? Well, let me ask you a question. Doesn't this passage command these Jews to do exactly that? Well, notice the entry that is in the Jewish study Bible with regard to the Shema. It says the Shema is more than a prayer. Judaism understands its recitation to be a binding legal act in which individuals pledge their commitment to Torah by reciting the Shema. The congregation in the synagogue brings the plot of Deuteronomy to life in the present as it enacts and renews that oath of allegiance to God that it believes Israel first vowed on the plains of Moab. Now, the reference to Massa in verse 16 is a reminder of the disobedience of their fathers in the wilderness back in Exodus chapter 17 with regard to the water from the rock incident. The remaining verses of this chapter confirm that God gave the commandments of chapter 5 to Israel as a legacy for their children. Notice verse 25, it says, And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he commanded us. In chapter 7, let's answer this question. What's so chosen about the Jews? Verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves. And burn their graven images with fire. Thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you. Nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your father's. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt? Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repayeth them that hate him to their face, to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face." Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore, it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil. The increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people, there shall not be male or female barren among you, or among your cattle, and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eyes shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. If thou shalt say in thy heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt." The great temptations which thine eyes saw, and the signs, and the wonders, and the mighty hand, and the stretched out arm, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out, so shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Moreover, the Lord thy God will send the hornet among them, until they that are left, and hide themselves from thee, be destroyed. Thou shalt not be affrighted at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible." And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee, and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. And he shall deliver their kings into thine hand, and thou shalt destroy their name from under heaven. There shall no man be able to stand before thee, until thou have destroyed them. The graven images of their God shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. All right, so here's the question. Does God prefer one nationality on this earth over another? Well, this chapter has your answer, but the question further is why? You ask why? It's because of verses 8 and 9. A covenant is a covenant. The covenants God made with Abraham written an article entitled The Abrahamic Covenant. You can find it under the topic section. Or there's a link provided here on the written notes of Bible track org for today where you can read all about the Abrahamic Covenant. So the covenants that God made with Abraham and confirmed with his descendants cannot be avoided. Now, don't get confused about salvation. God's promise to Israel here does not speak to the issue of eternal life. Only it speaks to the success of the people of Israel as a nation, corporately on the earth. For eternal life, they got to get saved just like everybody else does. Today that salvation is through Jesus Christ according to John fourteen six, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Individual salvation has really always been achieved through faith. We see this all the way back in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 when it was said with regard to Abraham and he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So you see, salvation, righteousness with God, has always been as a result of an act of faith. God's very specific in this chapter about the fact that Israel may not coexist with the polytheistic one God-hating nationalities who had migrated to Canaan, the land which Israel was about to possess. Look at the provisions of chapter 7, verse 22, which say, "...and the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little, and all their pagan objects of worship must be completely eliminated," we see in verses 25 and 26. Now look at the guarantee given in verses 12 to 16 in return for Israel's obedience to God's law. He said they'll have abundant multiplication of descendants and possessions. No infertility in people or livestock, no sickness or diseases. Sickness and diseases upon those who hate Israel will be a reality and they'll have victory over their enemies. Notice the practical help promised to Israel in verse 20. It says, Moreover, the Lord thy God will send the hornet among them until they that are left and hide themselves from thee be destroyed. Hornets. I hate hornets. We actually saw these hornets mentioned back in Exodus chapter 23, verse 28. As a matter of fact, Joshua twenty-four, twelve, later on indicates that indeed the land was cleared for the Hebrews by, and it says literally, the hornet. Now, how could anyone turn away from that kind of guarantee? Now, on the flip side of this proposition, what about the misfortune of these local Canaanite residents? Notice their projected fate is found in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1-6. through 6. Those verses say, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Gergesites." And the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son." they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. And then finally, verse 6 says, For thou art an unholy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, Above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Mm, that might seem a little extreme, but there's a reason these Canaanites had to go, and it was wickedness. Here's what we see in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4 it says, Speak not thou in thine heart after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. So get the picture here. These Canaanites had been judged by God for their wickedness. Instead of destruction by a flood, as in the days of Noah, Israel was to be the instrument of God's judgment upon these wicked people. Well, that along with the hornets. There's a solemn warning that goes beyond the law of Moses over in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 27 and 28. Here's what it says there. For all these abominations have the men of the land done. That's talking about the Canaanites, which were before you. And the land is defiled that the land spew not you out also when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Well, those nations that were before you weren't under the law of Moses at all. But God nonetheless found their lifestyle practices to be so repulsive that it says he spewed out the nations. We also find the same declaration is made in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 23. That verse says, and ye shall not walk in the manners of the nations, which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. So you see, the Canaanites, well, they had to go. I mean, in most situations during the conquest of Canaan, the Canaanites attacked Israel first. Joshua eleven twenty explains why. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them. As the Lord commanded Moses. And that brings us to the end of our reading for today as we read Deuteronomy chapters 5, 6, and 7. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletribe.org. Thank you for listening in today.